All right, welcome back, everybody. Here we go on a Tuesday, 90 minutes of sports talk today. 90 minutes because we've got UTEP football with Dana Dimmel coming up from the Moon Tower Sports Bar and Grill at 5.30. Chihuahuas baseball at 6.30. And because of that, we're going to keep this show short and sweet, 90 minutes with you as we get started. Man. You know, I've been called a lot of things, Adrian, but I've never been called the minor hype twins. Apparently, that's what Paul Marmalejo refers to you and I as, the minor hype twins. He said, it's almost time for the minor hype twins, meaning the two of us. Hey, man, um, you know, listen, Paul is a uh, little bit of a snarky individual on Twitter. He really yep. is. Like, you look at his reaction, he even says, stop right now. Hashtag Cowboys suck. I mean, he's got a lot of opinions. You could tell. You know, he's not particularly fond of the Miners. He doesn't like the Cowboys. And um, say what you want about the Cowboys. They're 2-0 and with Cooper Rush, a quarterback. All right? they Everybody thought the season was over two weeks ago. The season was done. They're 0-1. They lost Dak possibly six to eight weeks. Nobody knew for sure what the length was going to be with the thumb surgery, the injury. Cooper Rush has no real experience. He's having to come in to try to save the day. And granted, Cooper Rush is not Dak Prescott, but he doesn't have to be, all right? All he's doing is managing the game, not making mistakes, and putting the Cowboys in that offense in a situation to win football games. I mean, that's that's the formula for success, and so far he's 2-0. and so, let's be honest, Adrian. If Cooper Rush continues to win football games and then Dak Prescott is healthy, A, there's zero controversy, but the, the whole point is Cooper would have done his job. The Cowboys did not have to go out and find themselves a veteran quarterback, and suddenly they're in the picture with Philly in the NFC East. Yeah, that's all that matters, right? Because uh, wins and losses is all that really matters. It doesn't matter how good you look, how not. You know, Cooper Rush did exactly enough to win the game yesterday. Did he Did he light up uh, the Giants? No. Did he go out and throw for a million yards? No, but he didn't need to. And that's the whole point about this. He's a he's the perfect game manager as a backup quarterback to Dak Prescott. I, threw, I thought he threw some really nice passes yesterday. And it's not – you know what I really appreciate about Cooper Rush is What's he's that? conservative, Steve. Yeah. He's, he's not – not somebody who's going to throw a ton of interceptions and he's not going to be somebody who's going to take a lot of risks exactly. which is fine you don't need that right now if you're the Dallas Cowboys which by the way their defense is playing very stout I'm not worried about the Cowboys uh, offensively because I know that their defense can really carry them to some of these victories yeah look what it's doing right now absolutely and what they did to the Giants yesterday now granted it's still the Giants all right I know, I know they were 2-0 and but this team was picked last for a reason and when you watch that game last night and you realize, you know, the Giants, this is still Daniel Jones. He is not a uh, he's not a good quarterback. There's just no other way to put it. He was 20 out of 37 yesterday for 190, 96 yards and a pick. I mean, now, granted, when you've got Saquon Barkley running the way he is, you don't really need much from Jones. But the problem is Kenny Galladay's been a flop. You just lost Sterling Shepard for the season uh, with that knee injury. So now you've got guys like Richie James, Daniel Bellinger, David Sills the fifth, and Chris Myrick catching balls. I can honestly tell you, 
I think I follow football. I don't know any of those guys. Like, I mean, they're not household names. Shepard's the only one that really was a household name, and he's out for the year. They spent a lot of money on Galladay. He's been a total flop. But you look at those other guys. I mean, Daniel Bellinger um, from San Diego State, who was a fourth-round pick, who uh, is a tight end, who I guess caught, what, like four passes for 40 yards against the Cowboys. Uh, don't know much about him, you know. I mean, unless your name is not Shockey or Bavaro, I don't know much about giant tight ends recently. Um, it's just the True. case. And Richie James, I mean, uh, he was, I guess, he was from Middle Tennessee who was a seventh-round pick of the Niners back in 2018, and he's already got 14 receptions for 146 yards. I don't know anything about Richie James. Yeah, these guys are not uh, household names whatsoever. I would, I will say this though: they've got a guy like Kadarius Tony who never plays for them. They spent a first round pick, like you mentioned with Kenny Galladay. They spent a lot of money on waste him. of money. Yeah, a lot of money over the off season on him. Uh, and yesterday, again, the Cowboys defense just did enough to stifle and really hurt Daniel Jones in a big way, and he couldn't get really anything going. I mean, they sacked him five different times. Diggs got the game winning interception. Daniel Jones did not get any help from. Him his receivers it seemed like I mean three drop pa- or two drop passes uh, from the likes of Kenny Galladay but even on the Cowboys side of things Steve it's not like they have a lot of household names uh, aside from C.D. Lamb uh, you're really looking at guys like Jalen Tolbert uh, Noah Brown who's been nice you know as, as kind of an emerging wide receiver for them Peyton Hendershot yep. I-, I saw him for the first time yesterday it felt like but yeah it's not like the Cowboys have a lot of household no. names in their skill position players no they don't but uh, the Cowboys are figuring out ways to get it done. They do have C.D. Lamb. The Giants do not have a C.D. Lamb. They don't have anything that even resembles a C.D. Lamb. And when they get Michael Gallup back, the Giants don't have anything that resembles Michael Gallup. So the truth is, the Cowboys have, they, I mean, they have got guys. They've got guys to catch the football. They do. The Giants, I don't know how they've been doing it, but in all fairness to Daniel Jones, Give him a couple of decent receivers, and let's see what he could do. Because this group that you're trotting out there for him to throw the football to, you know, outside of Saquon Barkley, I don't know who any of these guys are. And I try to follow football. Yeah, they whiffed on on some of these draft picks recently, too. At least that's what it seems like right now uh, from the offset with New York. But, uh, again, the Cowboys just getting a big win on the road. This was a game they were underdogs in. This is a game where in which, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to tout the Giants as some amazing team out there by any means. But I will say with the the Giants, what you're getting is a team uh, who was undefeated going into this one. They were at home. It was a Monday night football game. It was a primetime showcase where uh, the Giants could have easily gone 3-0. But, uh, you know, the, the the Giants hung around, especially in the second half. Cowboys were able to finish it out. And uh, for Cooper Rush, leading that game-winning drive and then having the defense stop the team on, on the other side of things, get that game-winning interception by Diggs, that's huge for the Cowboys. They, they need as many wins without Dak Prescott as they can uh, before they get their quarterback back. Oh, I'm with you on that one. I mean, that's – we don't and, – and looking at the schedule, by the way, for the Cowboys, it's doable. I mean, it really is. They've got the Commanders uh, at home this weekend – they look horrible. Oh, yeah. They do look horrible. Carson Wentz and company. And then after that, they're at the Rams and at the Eagles. So I don't expect you know them to go on the road and beat the Rams and Eagles. But if they can take care of business with the Commanders and at worst 3-3 three and three by the time they get the Lions on the you know, near the end of October with potentially Dak coming back on the 23rd, if that's the date, 
I mean, that's not bad. It really isn't. And if you somehow split the road games with the Rams and Eagles and you surprise one of those teams, and now you're 4-2, and two, you're really playing with some house money when you get Dak Prescott back. Yeah, especially if one of those victories is against the Eagles because that's Could the be. one that you need to circle right there. If you're, that's the kitchen sink game. Even if you have all the backups in for the Cowboy or like your main backup in Cooper Rush, that's the game where I'm throwing the kitchen sink to try to win that game against the Eagles because if you're able to steal one on the road in Philly, I mean, yeah, sky's the limit for this team. I mean, listen, Adrian, you've given up 19 points to the Bucks, 17 points to the Bengals, 16 points to the Giants. I mean, nobody's lit them up for more than 20 points this year. And that's, and again, and granted, I, I know who they've played, but it's still the Bucks and yeah. it's still the Bengals. Two really good offenses. Yes. Bucks have a great offense. And same with the Bengals. That's the AFC defending champions from last year. That's why you don't need Cooper Rush to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns because your defense is getting it done. So all you need Cooper Rush to do is make some good passes. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make any mistakes. And just be a game manager. Kind of like what uh, Gavin Hardison did for the Miners this past Saturday. He didn't have to go out and throw the ball 40,000 times in a football game. He threw the ball 11, and he completed 10 of them. Good for him. That's the way to do it. So, you know, I I like that, by the way. I do. Uh, we, we, who's the, who's our uh, favorite hashtag? Isn't that Joe Chacon who's always yeah, doing that's right. a million hashtags? That's right. Yeah. Joe Chacon for sure. So, um, I was looking, uh, when I was looking at Paul's, uh, you know, tweet to start the show today, by the way, Paul Marmalejo has got the greatest Twitter handle ever at 700 JPM 700. What does that even mean? <laughs> Maybe initials or something like that. Well, I have no I, clue. I don't know, but JPM 700, it's at 700, JPM 700. But when the miners want, sometimes I, I just go back and read tweets because I don't follow everything, and I don't. So so Paul had this tweet after the UTEP victory on Friday. He goes, enjoy the victory lap, and he tagged UTEP Athletics. But then he had four hashtags. Hashtag not convinced yet. Hashtag dip my toe in the pool. Hashtag... Victory is good. Hashtag sip the wine. I mean, that's like Chacon level hashtags on a tweet, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, Joe Chacon, he'll come with us with consistent hashtags. He even got mad uh, and disappointed with us this past weekend that some of his hashtags were not read. Um, but he usually says hashtag Brock is my OG, hashtag minor talk. And then he always ends it with hashtag repping from Colorado now. So uh, Joe Chacon, the master of hashtags, and Paul Marmalejo is taking a page out of his book. By the way, do we like people on Twitter when their tweet consists more about hashtags than it does tweets themselves. No, no I'm, a, I'm pretty anti-hashtag. I think a- hashtags have, are a little outdated now. Like, you can use are they? a couple. You can use, like, one or two. Then it's egregious. Then it's like, okay, man, what are you doing here? You're being okay. way too aggressive at me. Do you purposely ignore the hashtags and just read the content of the message itself? I, it depends. If, if the hashtags looks more like wallpaper, like, for example, sometimes my tweets, when I hashtag minor talk, sometimes that, that comes off a little wallpaper. I'll do some self-acknowledgement there. Got but it. if you actually give me some substance in a hashtag, all right, maybe I'll look at it. Well, the point is, like, if, if I was to look at Paul's tweets, I wouldn't even be able to read them because it's, like, 95% hashtags. Or adding us, like, you know, tagging us in the in the actual post uh, when the actual content of this only has a couple words. He's wasting character. That's right. Yeah. Hashtag wasting characters. There you go, man. Come on. You know, 
Hashtag wasted tweets. You don't want to do that. Yeah, no one else is following these trends. I'm sorry, uh, Paul. No one's hashtagging cowboys. Or actually, maybe people are hashtagging cowboys suck, but nobody's hashtagging miners hype twins. No. I like it, though. It's ridiculous. It's kind of funny. So, anyway. Uh, and by the way, um, we we go with UTEP. Um, when UTEP was struggling, there was not a lot of hype on this uh, on this show. Then all of a sudden, they come back, play their best game in, I don't know, 55 years against a non-conference opponent, and everybody gets excited. So there's a reason for that. Hey, listen, be fair. Give them their just, all right? When they play well, they deserve props. When they don't play well, they deserve to hear about it. I mean, that's just, that's just you got to be fair. Be, play both sides. You got to play both sides. Yeah, that's right. And and I think that we were fair last week in calling in calling all the wrong parts of this team. Yep. We were fair this past weekend in uh, giving them their respects and how they changed things around offensively and even on the defensive side. This team really stepped things up, and you got to give them credit for it. And now Chad Middleton is taking a page out of Paul's handbook and going hashtag minor hype twins. So there it is. <laughs> I like it. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate you starting us off on the show today. Hey, uh, since we only have an hour and 15 minutes, I, I do want to ask, uh, today's show is not going to be much about the Miners. It's going to be about the Cowboys. I want to know from Dallas Cowboys fans, okay, I'm not I'm not here today to ask you if you think Cooper Rush is going to be the eventual starting quarterback. That's a stupid question that makes absolutely no sense, and I'm not going there. There is no quarterback controversy. None. Zero. You did not pay Dak Prescott to sit the bench, and all Cowboy fans know that they've got a better chance to win with Dak at quarterback than they do with Cooper Rush. My question is simply this. With Dallas winning these last two games against the Bengals and against the Giants, and with that schedule consisting of the Commanders, the Rams, and the Eagles over the next three weeks, do Cowboy fans now feel like Dallas will be a playoff team this year because Cooper Rush is doing exactly what he is supposed to do as a backup quarterback thrust into the job. That's my question uh, today to get things going here on the program. Our telephone number with lines ringing in, 505-6009. Great to have you on a Tuesday edition of Sports Talk as we send it over to Charlie One. And uh, let's go ahead and get our first traffic update of the afternoon right now. Charlie, how we doing? All right, a little uh, toll for you here at 20 past. Full phone lines as well. 505-6009, our telephone number to get into the show today. And uh, we've got UTEP, we've got Cowboys, we've got a lot of good conversation. NMSU dropped their non-conference and regular schedule today for basketball and I like uh, Greg Heyer's first season as head coach, what he's going to be doing. They play uh, in a Vegas tournament. They're going to be playing here in the uh, Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational, the West Star uh, Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational. And they got some good games. I think they're also playing St. Mary's on the road in the non-conference. Yeah, Steve. You know, I, I got a text earlier today, and I, I didn't know how to really react to it, but the text went along the lines of, like, why can't UTEP and New Mexico State finally get good quality mid-major opponents to play in their non-conference slate? And I said, you know what? I would love to have both coaches really go in depth about this because people don't understand 
understand how difficult it is to schedule in the Southwest for some of these mid-major schools when teams across the country do not want to come travel to this area oh, whatsoever. Nobody, nobody will come here. Nobody will. Nobody of note will come here. You got to play two or three for ones. Nobody wants to give up extra extra games to come and play here. Yeah, and at the same time, on your end, you cannot bend so easily when it comes to things like this, like demands from other coaches, even at the Power 5 level. You can't do that. You have to hold your own program to a high standard. 100% right. 100% right. Anyway, let's get to the phones. We'll start it off with Ed, and then we'll work our way down to uh, Memphis Drew and Gabe. Good job with the phones getting started here on our 90-minute edition of Sports Talk, 505-6009, our telephone number. Ed, what's going on? How are you? I'm all right, Ed. How are you? Good. I think this Friday's game, the way you described it yesterday, the UTEP game, was misevaluated. And the reason I say that is I classified it as the perfect game. It may never, ever be duplicated. It was perfect in every statistical category. And then the pressure from the coaches and the players and the community and the preparation, it was, in my opinion, the perfect game. It will never be duplicated. So um, had they not shanked the punt early on, which led to the first Boise State field goal, and had the Ray Flores touchdown pass called back due to an ineligible man downfield, I would tend to agree with you. That being said, despite those two turns of events, the Miners dominated on all three sides of the ball. They dominated offense, defense, and special teams. They came out in the second half, played terrific. They held Boise to under 200 yards. Games like this happen once in a blue moon. I mean, we told you yesterday you have to go back to 67 to find the last major non-conference win of note for UTEP. So it was a big win. To call it perfect, Perfect means no errors from start to finish. And when you have a touchdown called back due to a penalty and then a a, a punt that leads to points, you can't call it perfect. But you can say it was a performance that we haven't seen in decades and clearly something that will hopefully help spark this team to turn around their season. Well, you you can call it perfect when you compare it to the rest of the UTEP's historical past. But let me tell you something else that was also very impressive. I was talking to a friend of mine before the game started and the players were coming out of the locker room. And I said, wait a minute. And I rushed over there and I started hitting the players on their shoulder pads and telling them, stick them, babe, stick them, babe. I was all fired up and I was expecting to get a reciprocal response. And I didn't get it. You remember the movie Jaws, the original one? Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Forget the Jaws reference. You, before the game started, as a fan, started hitting players in their shoulder pads from the stadium and started no. yelling, sick em, babe, to these guys? Yeah, like as they were coming out of their locker room before they go into the stadium, they all come out in a line. Yeah, I know. But you're, how are you hard. able to how are you actually able to lay a hand on these guys to try to pump? You're a fan, man. You you I mean you can verbally yell excited, get excited, but how are you able to like put your hands on these guys on their shoulder pads and start bumping them and telling them go get them? I, I mean I'm amazed they didn't throw you out of the stadium with that. 
There was no security. They were walking out. But what I'm trying to tell you is they had that intense look on their face like in Jaws when he's talking about the shark's eyes. None of them gave me a high five. They were just so intense. It was an amazing feeling. Were they intense or were they in shock that you were laying your hands on them before the game started? I'm telling you, they have that shark-eyed look like in Jaws. They were just so focused. They didn't even pay attention. They just looked like they were on a mission. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just telling you, you're, you're lucky you didn't get arrested. I love it, but you know what? I, my objective was to get them fired up. They were already fired up. There you go. You're going to fly to, to Charlotte and the rest of the season, do the same exact thing, Ed? You're going to try to uh, battle it out in the rain on Saturday and start hitting them in the shoulder pads and telling them the same thing? I love my team. I'll do whatever it takes, Steve. There you go, Go Miners. That's why he's Miner Eddie Mack. My goodness. There are so many weird things about what he just said. Uh, well, I, don't even know what to, I don't even know what to say. Like, I mean, he's... Trying to get guys fired up by hitting him in the shoulder pads as a fan. You know what? I'm going to give him a, a tip. So I think he should do like a headbutt. Like I think he should headbutt yes. guys, you know, and try to do that to fire them up. That would fire me up if I was one of these players uh, getting hit on the shoulder pad. Yeah, it might be irk me. I want the head, like I want a headbutt or something like that. So so the players can be concussed before they come out on the game. We're like, why? Well, he could be concussed. Uh, you know, he won't <laughs> care. I think he'll enjoy. He, said, he just said anything to help the team. He'll get, he doesn't mind taking a concussion or two just to. Get everybody fired up. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, uh, one of the things that he did bring up that I agreed with is it's going to be hard to replicate this in the future. That that uh, performance, whether it's perfect or not, it's going to be hard to replicate that in the future. Oh, you see that once a generation for a minor football team. Yeah, especially against a quality opponent and coming off a horrible loss. 100%. Let's go to Memphis Drew. He's next up on the show, 27 past. Hey, Drew, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Steve? After that phone call, Drew, I'm doing just dandy. How are you? I'm doing good, my friend. Hey, we, we Memphis got some revenge for you this last weekend. We beat uh, North Texas, so so go UTEP, go Memphis, go Tennessee Vols, and New Mexico State. There you go. Hey, I happened to meet a friend in person. I made a new friend. His name is Adrian Broadus. Yo, you oh, you met Adrian? Very. Yeah, where where did yeah. you meet him? I met him at a restaurant, King's Barbecue. Oh, there you go. Hey, my, That's... My Brit, and my British accent gave me away. He said, I, I know that voice from somewhere. I believe it. And, man, that British accent, man, gives me away all the time. Yeah, you got it. He's you not gotta... the first one. Uh... <laughs> I love that, Drew. Hopefully, you guys. By the way, that's Adrian's hangout. If you ever want to find if you ever want to find Adrian in the afternoon, just go to King's Barbecue. He's probably there at least once or twice a week. That's very true. Very true. I can't yeah. argue that right there. That's that place is great. <laughs> yeah, I had the honor of meeting him and Chad, and I've seen you several times. So there you go. And and some of your other callers, uh, Augustine and Orlando, you know, Orly. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of like a little family there. I love that. That's a sports talk fraternity, Drew. That's what it's all about. Hey, the bottom of the SEC is no pushovers anymore. Tennessee's coming on. They are. Both of the Mississippi teams, Arkansas is no pushover. Kentucky's tough, so (laughs) there's no – only it seems like LSU and Auburn and Vanderbilt, they're – clinging towards the bottom, but some of these other SEC teams are uh, well, on the rise. I got news for you. LSU's 3-1. and one. Vandy is 3-2. and two. 
Uh, Auburn is three and one. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the worst team record-wise right now in the SEC, uh, it's a three-way tie overall records. Missouri, Florida, and South Carolina are all two and two. Nobody right now in the SEC has a, a sub-500 mark, uh, at least at this point. Memphis basketball, uh, Penny Hardaway kind of got off, but I guess he was a little bit ahead of his time with that uh, Wiseman deal. There you go. Uh, now that's... That's business as usual. But they always got their eye out on uh, Memphis basketball and Louisville basketball. They do. Well, and you understand why, right? <laughs> you know the answer to that. So. Well, Kyler Perry had some yep. issues there. But, uh, yeah, they are always better try to keep things clean over there in Memphis and Louisville. That's very and, uh, true. And as far as the Cowboys go, uh, I wish they had to – kick off back so we could really see what Turpin has, man. I I think he might be the most explosive return guy in the league. Um, I I don't disagree. I think it's going to be fun to see what he does this year. Absolutely. You're right. And it's good to see the Cowboys balancing their carries better with uh, Pollard and Elliott this year. Um, We all love Tony Pollard, and most Cowboy fans will be the first to tell you that you know, he probably has a longer shelf life than Zeke because he hasn't been run as hard. So you're 100% right about that. And as far as Turpin goes, yeah. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, can, can get it done on punts, on kicks, and spectacular things happen when, uh, when he's got the ball. So I'm with you on that one. Good job. Appreciate you, Drew. Thanks for the call. Yes, sir. Keep things moving in a moment. In fact, Gabe, you're next. We'll follow up uh, Drew's call on the Cowboys with Gabe. Two lines are open. 505-6009 as we send it back to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you, Adrian. I want to talk more about uh, Cavante Turpin in a moment, but first, Gabe's been hanging on forever. Let's get him on the lines right now. 33 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009. Gabe, what's going on, man? How are you? Guys, just want to say thank you for everything you guys do. You guys are, you guys, to uh, go back to your question about uh, we see the Cowboys being a playoff team. Yes. And I, I, I feel like I'm going to speak for all Cowboy fans right now because after year after year, let down after let down, you know, I want to see them play the Eagles, and that will tell me you know what, these guys are legit. That may be their playoff season. What do you guys think? I think it's fair. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, look, uh, here's the thing, Gabe. Two weeks ago, did you think the Cowboys had any chance to beat the Bengals and the Giants in consecutive weeks? After that going down, I didn't. I didn't either. I don't think any Cowboy fan did. I mean... The talk was, are they going to trade for an experienced quarterback? Because, you know, Cooper Rush really doesn't have a lot of experience outside of just being a career backup in Dallas. And now all of a sudden, Cowboy fans have the, the, the annual, you know, glimmer of hope like we see in this team year after year, right? It's, it's true. I mean, you know, you know Philly's going to be tough. Jalen Hurts looks terrific. That offense is moving, and they're, they're beating people up. But you start to think that that Cowboy defense, along with Rush right now, doing a really nice job filling in for Dak, hey, they can they can make some things happen. Yeah, they look like they can turn turn everything around, especially once we get Dak back, if we get Dak back. 
by the time we played Philly, man, it looks like it looks like they can do it. It's just it it sucks every year. It's like oh, we have all this hope, and then we're let down. <laughs> That's true. That is true. And 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 to be honest. If they play well against the Commanders, win that game, and let's just say they play the Rams tough and and Cooper plays well, why rush Dak back? I mean, as long as Cooper is doing a good enough job with the offense of keeping the Cowboys in every game, don't rush a guy like Dak Prescott back too early. We've seen what happens with a guy like Justin Herbert and his ribs. What can happen if you try to let the quarterback dictate when they come back rather than rest what you need to to be healthy 100%, you know? Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Yeah, especially because especially cause that, that thumb injury, I mean, you need the thumb for everything. Yep. Especially on the grip, it's on his, his throwing hands. So if we can keep winning with Rush and get Dak to rest as, as much as possible, you know, I think we can be that playoff team. But winning against Philly, either with Dak or with with Cooper, I mean, that'll tell me everything, I think, personally. Oh, my God. They beat the Eagles? Yeah, that would say a ton. A ton. Whether it's yeah. Dak or Cooper. You almost want it to yeah. be Cooper, don't you? Because think about yeah. it. If Cooper Rush can beat the Eagles, then that tells you as a Cowboys fan, there is no team you really have to worry about with a, with, with with Cooper Rush in as a backup quarterback. Exactly. That's great. Exactly. So, Good job, Gabe. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the kind Thank words. You, you got it. You have a good day. You too. 37 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Kevante Turpin was dismissed from TCU his senior year for a pair of domestic violence charges, okay? He made a warrant out of it for his arrest in, in the state of New Mexico for something he did while at TCU. And, you know, they take domestic violence very seriously, as well they should. And it looked like his career was over. He goes and plays in the... Um, what is this? This was a, a professional indoor football league called the Fan Controlled Football. Yeah, that, FCS. Yeah, so that league, Steve, uh, it's a very interesting one. It's kind of like an arena football league, but fans vote on the next play. Like every play that the team runs, the fans will vote on what the play is. Uh, you know, that is going to be ran. He also signed with the Frisco Fighters in the uh, IFL, but he never played because of COVID. Then he went to the Spring League last year and played with the Sea Lions, okay? Then he goes and plays in the European League of Football in Poland with a team. And then goes to the USFL in the 2022 draft, becomes the MVP of the league, and that brings him to the Cowboys. And by the way, he did plead guilty in a second felony, uh, second family violence case against his former girlfriend, which occurred about four years ago and then was cut by TCU. So, you know, that happened. And as part of his plea agreement, served the two years deferred uh, probation, completed a 27-week partner abuse intervention program, has been able to get a second chance, and now is making the most of it. Yeah, this is huge, Steve. Uh, somebody who's really uh, revitalized his own life. Somebody who is from the state of Louisiana and and is a shorter guy. I mean, five foot nine, uh, return specialist, has bounced around pro football. But this is a guy who you yep. could just tell loves the sport of football because you wouldn't be around bouncing around all these different pro football leagues if you didn't love this sport. He went on it on the practice squad uh, for the Cowboys, and look at where he is now. He's he's one of the most dynamic punt returners you'll see. It's wild, absolutely wild. 
21 in front of five as Sports Talk continues. We'll get to John right after the break. Stay with us. Back with more Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, 46 pass as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, by the way, uh, and I, I'm going to throw this out there just because I'm curious. Minor Ed admitted on the radio to smacking UTEP football players in their shoulder pads before a game to try and fire them up. Like, actually putting his hand on their shoulder pads and, and, and hitting them. And I'm wondering, as fans... Have any of you ever done anything even uh, even wilder? I'm I'm just curious. Like before a UTEP game, have any of you ever done things where you have actually, um, you know, I don't know, you know, physically tried to do something to the same extent? Because I guarantee you this: if you went to any college football stadium in the country, especially like SEC, can you imagine if they did that same tradition? Let's say, um, you know, it. it um, I don't know. Where's a good place to go at, for Death example? Death Valley. Let's do All right, Death, Death Valley. Valley. And you're allowed to, like, you know, try to get the guys fired up and, and bang on their shoulder pads a little bit before a game? Oh, my God. You'd be in cuffs. <laughs> You'd be in jail before the game kicks off. Somebody, One of those players might sock you back at that point. That's a good point. Yeah. He wants to put it, you know, maybe you should give him a football helmet. We've yeah. got, uh, we've got, we can, we can probably arrange that. Put in a helmet and let him start headbutting uh, players. Yeah, let's find the opponent's helmet, Steve, and then like he that. can headbutt every every player to get them fired up about their opponent. And he was saying everybody was locked well, in. Well, he could be their opponent in that case. Well, we've know? got that Aggie helmet thanks to Mario oh. Mocha. What if we just stick Miner Ed in the, any Aggie helmet? That'll fire players up, right? Wow, you you're really on this, Steve. I like it. They'll knock him out unconscious. All right, uh, 48 passed as we continue. Let's go to John. He's been uh, waiting patiently through the break. John, welcome aboard. How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Not much, John. Uh, a few things here. First, uh, shout-out to Memphis Drew. Haven't heard him in a while. Um, to rebuttal what he said, yes, the bottom of the SEC is getting better. Um, it's not our death, Kentucky, anymore, Steve. Stoops has turned that program around. Yes, he has. Um, they, I'm not going to lie, they handed it to Florida a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, just then, right then, I was like, okay. I mean, I you saw this coming anyway from a few years ago when Stoops got there that he was turning the program around. So I'm not surprised. And the other one is Arkansas. Uh, what Pittman has done there, it's crazy. But they should have never lost that game on Saturday. I don't know what Jefferson was thinking, trying to reach the ball out from the four-yard line on a quarterback draw. That cost them the game. At the same time, you've seen enough things uh, from them to realize that you know what? When they continue to play some big showdowns, they're going to be right there. And that's the key. I mean, you look at their body of work so far. They're 20th in the country. Um, they give up a lot of points, but they score a lot. And you're right. You've got, you've got a team like A&M on the ropes. You've got to try to finish them off because that would have made a big, big statement. But they'll be playing BYU in a couple weeks. Later on in the year, they'll get Ole Miss. Um, you know, they avoid uh, and they get Alabama this week. I mean, you really want to make a statement? Go beat Alabama at home. That'll send shockwaves through the college football world. Well, Texas should have beat them, Steve. They should have, and, 100%. You know, I, 
I, I, don't, I don't know what happened there, but it is what it is, Steve. Uh, a couple of quick other things, uh, Cowboys, real quick. Um, of course I want Dak to come back, um, but I'm going to say it right now. C.D. Lamb is not a number one wide receiver. I think he's a good number two, no matter who the quarterback is. Um, there, There's times, Steve... Yes, CD does his thing, but there are other times it's like he drops very catchable balls. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, if you're going to be that number one guy, you got to catch those balls. And that defense is going to have to carry the Cowboys until Dak comes back. There's no doubt about that. They did it last night. Um, Dan Quinn, his, he's just doing his thing. It, it's that simple. I mean, you look at that defense. Do you think that defense would perform that way if there was another D.C. in town? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely getting the most out of everybody on that side of the ball. And uh, last thing, Steve, uh, baseball real quick. Um, great to see Pools hit 700 over the weekend. 100% right. 100%. That was, I mean, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. For me, best right-handed hitter in my generation. Hopefully sometime this week we can see Judge hit 62. What Toronto did last night intentionally walking him, are you serious? Are you really surprised? They used to do that to Bonds all the time. Yes, I I understand that, Steve, but eventually he's going to do it. Maybe it happens and tonight. I don't what, know if Jose Barrios is going to really worry too much about uh, walking him. He's got a 527 ERA. I think he doesn't mind maybe throwing a few out there and see if uh, Judge can hit a fat one over the plate. Probably not. I mean, to me, I want, I'd, I'd love to see him pass Maris and get the American League record. And at least personally for me, he's going to be my home run king. Yes, we know Bond is what he did, mm-hmm. but we all know he cheated too. Okay, but we're not going there. But for what, to me, what Judge is doing this year, if he does hit 62, he's my MVP. Hands down. Uh, no I matter mean, what Shohei is doing, both sides, his ERA is like two something. When was the last time we saw a dude hit 60? No, you're right. You're right. Well, look, if he doesn't do it tonight, he can have a shot tomorrow, and then he has the weekend against Baltimore at the stadium, and then they go to Texas to finish the season. So there's plenty of opportunities. I mean, he still has nine more games to try and do it. So, I mean, I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be in a homer drought for the next nine games. No, I doubt that, especially if it's against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe the Mariners can can uh, wake up and hold off the Orioles because, I don't know, that, that game a couple of nights ago, I think they were up, what, 10-1 to 1 and lost? Yeah, it'd be fun. I, listen, I like the Mariners a lot, but Orioles are fun too. I mean, come on. They trade away their whole team at the deadline. They're still in the race. That's awesome. I love it. Good for yeah. them. So, oh, and, yeah, no, it is. And they got some good ones. All right, John, good stuff, man. Appreciate the phone call. Thank you for getting in. I'm looking at the uh, dropped pass leaders through the first, what, three games of the season. And right now, Adrian, uh, uh, Brandon Cooks of Houston and Brees Hall of the Jets are tied with four each. Wow, interesting. Okay. Um, you've got uh, 
Tyler Higbee and Irv Smith Jr. Uh, tie with three. And you got a bunch of guys with two. Um, and that includes, I believe, Noah Brown has one, and Zeke has one, and then CeeDee Lamb has one. See, I, I think there's this narrative that CD is not a number one, Steve. Uh, people think he drops a lot of passes. Numbers don't lie. Only one drop pass. Uh, granted, it was in a big situation yesterday's game. But still, I, I would think CD Lamb coming out of college, I thought he was a number one receiver. I still think he can be that one. But he's not at your traditional downfield, hey, I'm going to catch a pass and go vertical for 50 yards. He's a hybrid slot receiver. He's mm-hmm. like the new newfound uh, slot receiver that we're seeing really take over the league. But I think that's actually what you want in the NFL. You don't need a traditional uh, Amari Cooper on your team. You need a guy who's going to be the finesse type of player for you. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. All right, one hour in the books. We got another 30 to go. John Teicher is going to join us uh, here at the bottom of our 5 o'clock hour from Moon Tower, then Hags from Albuquerque as the Chihuahuas finish off their regular season against the Isotopes. All happening here. 600. ESPN El Paso. All right, start of hour number two here on Sports Talk as we continue. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. So uh, earlier today, uh, Lester Bedford, longtime uh, boxing promoter here in the state of Texas, uh, put out on Facebook the uh, formation of the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame. This is a project that Lester and some others have been working on for quite some time. And... Uh, this Hall of Fame, which uh, will encompass all of Texas boxing, uh, features uh, a few different categories, folks. And of those categories, uh, they include fighters, as you would expect. That's the, the no-brainer and what you would want to see for that, um, for the honorees. They've got world champions. They also have contenders, in addition. And uh, it's a great list of boxers. Contributors are part of this as well officials, and um, then there's special contributors from those outside of Texas and media. And um, there are four El Paso representatives of the media in the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame. And uh, Bill Knight is one. He's a no-brainer. Matt Aguilar, another one, no-brainer. Ruben Ramirez, who's been around and seen it all as well. Um, and uh, yours truly, who is also uh, a part of this, and uh, means a lot. It really does to be thought of in, in this regard for boxing. You know, it's funny, um, not just this show, because we've done so many, um, we've covered so many big fights over the years from El Paso, from the De La Hoya fight in 98, and you just think about all the great fight cards we've had at the Coliseum and, and at the Haskins Center and the Sun Bowl and pretty much every venue, I mean, we've seen over the years. But also... Um, uh, you know, I'm always asked uh, in this business, you know, what's what's been the highlight for me? And I always say the same thing. The Don Haskins show, working with Coach for the three or four years we did it together, uh, that'll be the highlight. And that'll be something, you know, that to me I'll always be most proud about. However, right behind that is broadcasting this show live from Vegas for about a dozen years and uh, doing, um, you know, so many broadcasts from every De La Hoya fight. We were there twice a year from 98 till he retired pretty much at every fight he was at, every one. Um, and that was, we would go in May, we'd go back in September and broadcasted from Radio Row, um, delivered every big boxing interview we could get, and then having the opportunity to be there was huge. Um, and, and just, 
you know, realizing that boxing made it all happen. And, you know, started with Lester Bedford and the relationship we had with Lester. And then, you know, proceeded into uh, Bob Arum, Top Rank, HBO, all those great people. Um, I've talked about this before, but probably a lot of you know this. Harold Letterman was a guest at our wedding. Um, he was the ringside judge for HBO. We lost to cancer a couple of years ago. And um, I became so friendly with Harold that when I would go to Vegas, I would see him and we would always meet for breakfast the morning of every big fight in Vegas. And to go to uh, one of the local breakfast uh, establishments off the strip, just talk about the fight, talk about the fight card. Um, we would travel to New York on vacation. We would meet Harold and his wife for lunch uh, and spend time with him. And he came into El Paso for four days when I got married and uh, brought his wife and loved it. And I actually took him apartment hunting one day because he was seriously considering buying a place here where he could. He loved El Paso so much he wanted to live in El Paso during the winter when it got cold in New York so he could uh, spend time here because he loved the city so much. That's, so. that's a great story in itself. But, uh, Steve, congratulations to you for making the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame. The the four locals, including you, uh, Ruben Ramirez, Bill Knight, Matthew Aguilar, we've had all three of them on our show uh, plenty of times throughout the years. And uh, they do exceptional work along with you. And, and you know, it's a testament to what this show has really done uh, for the sport of boxing, uh, what it has done to cover the sport of boxing. Even nowadays, Steve, we, we don't shy away from any of the boxing matches that come to town. We embrace them. We, we talk about them we cover them on this show and i think that just shows that hey this city loves the sport of boxing yep. and uh that that's the coverage that you've been delivering all these years no i appreciate that adrian i really do there's there's 20 members of the media in the uh i guess the inaugural uh boxing hall of fame class and just to be considered uh with ruben bill and uh obviously matt and part of all the the rest of the media it really does mean a lot and um, you know, radio is tough because you find a lot of writers, a lot of photographers, some TV broadcasters. You don't find a lot of sports radio people in things like this. So it it uh, it really is great, and and I'm happy for for my fellow El Paso media members, and uh, appreciate Lester having uh, us as part of this. It, it it does mean a lot, especially when you start to think about boxing in the state of Texas and what we've seen over the years, and and all the great fighters and 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 contributors to the sport, and and hopefully, you know, we, we'll see the next great El Paso champion. We've had Jennifer Hahn. We've been spoiled watching her fight over the last couple of decades, and hopefully now we'll get another great uh, fighter coming from the city of El Paso and representing themselves. Yeah, I mean, one of the persons that I would definitely look at is Kayla Gomez, who's with Team USA, uh, somebody who's really trending up when it comes to the uh, flyweight uh, you know, uh, level when it comes to that. And then she is somebody who competed in the Pan American Games and was a gold medalist over there, a 14-time national champion. Maybe Kayla Gomez is that next person uh, out of this area, out of the city of El Paso, to really succeed in this sport. And, you know, uh, moreover, Steve, I think that you look at big cities, Dallas, Houston, they're all, they're always going to get the marquee boxing matchups. But what El Paso has had as far as showdowns, they've had some great ones over the years. And, and you've been a part of a lot of those here in the city of El Paso. Uh, same with Bill, Ruben, and Matt. There was a period of time in the 90s when I thought El Paso was getting every big fight, every big every big champion was coming through here. Non-heavyweight, of course. Although eventually, look, we had Vander Holyfield. He was past his prime, but he came and fought here. But there was a period of time when every big champion from Mexico was here. We had them all. Morales, Barrera, uh, Chavez. Uh, you know, and you start to think about that group. 
um, and and Zaragoza and, and so many so many legends that were here. It was it was phenomenal. We had Floyd Mayweather Jr. here when he was nothing, just starting out. He fought here. We had Fernando Vargas here. We had Shane Mosley here. I mean, you know, you just look at the list. It is a who's who. It's a who's who of boxing, and they all fought in El Paso. And there was a period of time where a period in time where El Paso was one of the major boxing destinations for for good fight cards. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily see, you know, the the pay-per-view fights from El Paso, but we had a plenty of of ESPN Friday night fights. We had some USA Tuesday night fights. We've had Showtime fight cards. We've had HBO fight cards. I mean, this city's been spoiled. We had very, very good boxing, and Lester was a part of that every single time. He loved bringing... Big fights to El Paso. Yeah, and I think that, you know, while we talk about the next champion out of this area, the next uh, big rising star in boxing, uh, I, I definitely hope that this city continues to also get some marquee boxing, uh, you know, fights here in, in El Paso. I think that would be one of the cool things just to reward this city for always supporting the sport, uh, just to continue to have good competition here. And there's nobody better to be president of the Texas Boxing Hall of Fame than Lester because, yep, he's seen it all, done it all, and still doing it, still active. So hopefully we'll get Lester on later this week. We could talk about this project with him that he's been working on and uh, having the opportunity to uh, see so many people uh, be a part of this. That, that, is, that is really, really cool. And I'm happy for him. Happy for my colleagues. Absolutely. Um, I spent many time in Vegas with Matt Aguilar. I'll say that. Absolutely did. And he'd be covering these fights for the Times, and we'd be here at the radio station, and uh, we spent lots of time with each other uh, during uh, plenty of those Vegas fights and obviously the ones here in El Paso. And you're right, Ruben, Bill Knight, they've all been there. They've been, they've been through the wars, and it's, yeah. it's great to see. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy that we finally have a Texas Boxing Hall of Fame getting started now because we, so many great fighters need it. So many people um, in, you know, that were part of this community and, and all around the state of Texas, they deserve to be honored for their contributions to the sport. Oh, no doubt. I mean, for uh, you, Bill, and Ruben, you guys cover every kind of sport out there. And same with Matt. I, I would just say Matt has, had really has carved a niche it, it kind of uh, as a columnist, sports writer in the sport of boxing. I, I know that uh, this is this is something that is really awesome for all four of you guys, and you guys definitely all deserve it for sure. Appreciate that, Adrian. Thank you. 11 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Uh, John's going to join us in a little bit. He'll be with us uh, during our final countdown. We'll have UTEP football with uh, Dana Dimmel for the second straight week live from the Moon Tower. Uh, I'm expecting a big crowd today after what happened on Friday, aren't you? Yeah, I think so, Steve. I think that uh, a lot of minor fans, uh, maybe they were a little down on the team uh, last week after a loss, uh, a head-scratching loss to New Mexico. Well, those fans got right back on the bandwagon. That's been evident um, as to just hearing responses on this show, on minor talk over the week hearing news and, and just comments on social media. The fan base is back in. They are looking uh, at this team, and they're hoping that they go to Charlotte this weekend and actually pick up a victory. I know they are. I know they are. In fact, I'm looking right now at the forecast, the weather forecast for Saturday, and they are already predicting right now a 97% chance of rain on Saturday. Ooh. And it's probably going to be it's probably going to be the remnants of the hurricane. Uh, there you go. Coming through. Hurricane Ian out there possibly Steve uh you know, just you know 
the, the rain parts of it, not the actual, you know, horrible parts of it. But and nonetheless, if that's the case, if it's rainy weather, I actually really like the Miners in this one, right? Because I do too. you have Chris Reynolds on one side and Charlotte. He's going to want to throw around, uh, across the whole field. But when you take him away from their offense, they are a completely different team. If they try to go grounded pound, they're a completely different team. He's going to have to go into more of a game manager role if he's not able to throw the ball as well. Uh, and I don't know if Charlotte has as much success there. For the Miners, they can just grounded pound it. They Hey, hey, maybe uh, Charlotte makes some adjustments as to what they saw from the Boise State game from the Miners, but I still believe that with um, the Miners' full complement of running backs, I'm talking about uh, Deion Hankins, Ronald Lewa, and Ray Flores, I think that they'll be able to run against them. I'm with you on that one. Listen to this, by the way, okay? Um, they're expecting half an inch Friday afternoon, one to two inches of rain Friday night, Saturday uh, half an inch during the day, quarter of an inch at night. Do we know, does the field, I think it's a natural grass field that Charlotte plays on, isn't it? You know, I'm not too sure. That's a great question. I have that to, I have field that could be absolutely slosh city come Saturday's game. That would be a mud, like a mud bowl game, huh? It could be. Yeah. It, it's very possible. Now, I'll say this, if it's field turf, Maybe that maybe that maybe then you know those fields drain really well when they're field turf, so maybe that's possible too. Maybe they they've got a a, a synthetic system. Okay, so quick Google uh, astroturf as of uh, September fourth, twenty twenty one. Oh, they just put it in. Yes. It's new. Charlotte began the replacement of football stadium turf uh, last summer, and uh, it, I guess it's AstroTurf now. Well, that's good because that means it'll be a little slick, but hopefully, um, you know, the footing won't be too terrible and they'll be, able to, they'll be able to play in that stuff. But you might not see, you know what, you probably will see a ground game. And by the way, since Charlotte is known more for their passing than their ground game, that might really hamper their offensive plans because I don't know how much Reynolds is going to be able to put it in the air during the rain. No, I, I agree with you there, Steve. And I also look at um, things like attendance, like how, how how much will a ton of rain affect attendance with a, a Charlotte 49er base, uh, fan base that is probably not as high on this team, not as high on this uh, this coaching staff and what, what's gone on there over the past couple of years. They dropped a disappointing game earlier this year against William & Mary, albeit a, uh, a, a team that they had to face without their starting quarterback and Chris Reynolds, but still Charlotte, uh, they they need to win uh, in a bad way, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to, Steve. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, they're not a very good football team at one and four on the season. Ah, you're right, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, quarter past as we continue here on Sports Talk five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number. If you want to get into the show, this would be the time to do it. Since uh, we only have about 15 minutes left in the program, and then we'll head it out to Teich as he comes live uh, with us for UTEP football with Dana Dimmel. Let's go to Luis. He joins us next. Luis, what's happening, man? How are you? Rosh Hashanah, my friend. Hey, the high holidays uh, with Luis. Did you uh, did you have some brisket and wine, Luis? Uh, you know, yeah. also some uh, honey and uh, apples, and t- bring yeah, in a sure. sweet year. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. I-, I emailed you. I sent you a greetings. I don't know if you you got that from me, but I anyways, s- I see the sports for- stories. I gotta look for the ho- for the holiday. I'll look for the high holiday greetings. I appreciate that, Luis. Thank you. With with, with my heart, with all my love from from Villalobos family to yours. Thank you, okay, Luis. Let me make it short and sweet. I'm tuning in, of course, ready to record it. That home run, so so waited. 
man, I'm full of emotion because I saw Roger Maris hit 61 years ago, right? That's right. Yeah, it's my favorites, Maris and Mantelvan. Oh God, uh, home run? No, was it a no? Well, anyway, just regard. I thought, yeah, it hit a home run. The Toronto Blue Jays, man, George Springer. Anyway, how about them Cowboys? You know, the, the, there's there's a hard, hard, hard times coming. You know that the games that the uh, the Cowboys are ready to play. What do you think, man? I mean, let me tell you who's next. Uh, yeah, the Commanders. The Commanders are after they won yesterday and beat the Giants. You tell me, as a Cowboys fan, what do you see? They've got three games over the next three weeks, Commanders, Rams, and Eagles. What do you think they do over those three games? Well, Commanders, hopefully they will win. Okay. The Rams is going to be hard. Agreed. I, I, and and Phila, Philadelphia was there. I mean, they're so strong that that, that uh, quarterback man, he's awesome. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is good. You feel like one and two is the reasonable answer, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, guess what? Cowboy fans thought they were going to be zero and five after the injury to Dak, and now they're two and zero. So you never know, right? You never know what could happen. Final question: What happened to Raider Ray? Oh man. That's a great question. Raider Ray, I don't know. He last called the show about seven or eight years ago out of the blue. He hasn't called since. I knew he was working a lot back in those days, but I have not heard from Raider Ray or Lalo or uh, many of those or JJ. You know, John Teicher is going to be joining me next segment. That's like, those are like his regulars add those guys and Orly up. And that was a pretty, that was a regular day of sports talk back in the, uh, in the nineties. Yeah, say hi uh, to to my good friend Joan Corn for me. I will for sure. Take care of yourself. Happy New Year. Hey, shalom, brother. There he is. Come back with John Teicher next. Wrap things up after Charlie won in this sports and uh, this uh, traffic update.